0: Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML.
1: Welcome to the Scott Radley Show for this Monday evening, thrilled you are along as we moments ago came across a tweet that has changed the course of the evening. The city of Hamilton has a tweet out saying, we are excited to launch the first annual name the plow initiative. They want you to name up to 10 snow plows in the city. You can literally, it says your opportunity to quite literally help us name 10 snow clearing vehicles this season. Submit your creative, family-friendly suggestions. Just before the show, we were talking, this is, so, I mean, naturally, a lot of people who are, think they're comedians because of what happened in England are going to come up with plowy McPloughface. Remember the boat when they tried to rename the, the British army or Navy vessel, I and mean, it was Bodie face. Everyone's going to go, McPlow face. Okay, let's be better than that. What do you think? We're going to do it. You know what? You've got 24 hours, all you listeners. You've got 24 hours. Tomorrow, we are going to ask you, what should the name be for the city's snowplows? Come up with your most creative snowplow name. What should the city be calling their snowplows? I like, you know, in honor of Tina Turner, an example, I'd like Plowed Mary. <laughs> I I would go with Plowed Mary and I think that would work. Give it a, a big wig with the hair all spiky on it. I think that would work. Ben was saying beforehand, loud and plowed. That would work. I, I would go with loud and plowed. I, I also suggested in a far more ridiculous vein that you paint it to look like it's wearing a German dirndl and called it Frau Plow. (laughs) I'm not not sure that we want German road clearers or that anyone would understand what the heck we were talking about, but uh, you know, there you go. Gordy Plow in honor of our, you know, our hockey culture, our hockey heritage. If you're, if you lean more towards the authoritarianism, maybe communism, how about Chairman Plow? for for those who are into their leaders who are strong men and yeah maybe not there's many more there's a million more the other one i don't even know it says it says family friendly so i guess they're not going to go with my other suggestion of putting a giant brazier on the front of it and call it well plowed <laughs> i don't know uh, i don't think the city's going to go down that road although you know, you could, I'll just leave it there. Anyway, tomorrow night, you've got work to do. Tomorrow night, we're going to ask you, what are some of the names that the city should be considering for naming their plow? This, this, We just saw this tweet, and it uh, it has given food for thought, unquestionably food for thought. I don't know how long this tweet has been out, quite honestly, but... Look at this, people are already sending in their suggestions. Hold it for tomorrow. You've got all kinds of stuff. You can send in 30 of them by tomorrow. That's your homework for tonight. Sit down and think up some names and then email me, Radley, R-A-D-L-E-Y, Radley at 900chml.com, or you can text us, or tomorrow we'll open the phone lines. Look, people are calling our. We're not taking the calls right now. We're not. Save your ideas. We're going to do it tomorrow. we got lots today. we got lots tomorrow. You know what else we're going to do tomorrow? We would have done it tonight, but we just we can't. But uh, I don't know if you heard this, but Bob McGrath, Bob who was on Sesame Street, one of the original Sesame Street people, uh, Bob McGrath died yesterday. Very sad. He was 90 years old. Lived a nice long life. But uh, a number of years ago, we had Bob here on the show. We're going to play that interview tomorrow. Uh, tonight, let me tell you what's coming up tonight. Tonight, we're going to be talking about our city council lures, especially the new ones. Don't know if you've noticed this, but they have they have landed in uh, in a large stew of issues. There's a lot going on right now, and if you are a brand new city councillor, there is no easing your way into what's happening. Giant tax increases are being talked about. Water rate increases are being talked about. The green belt is being talked about. We got this, we got that, we got infrastructure costs going up. We've got all kinds of things that are going on. Uh, We're going to be talking to one of the new councillors. Matt Francis, Ward 5 councillor, is going to join us in a few minutes. Bottom of the hour, This I was shocked by this. I uh, truly, I was shocked by this. I uh, saw a story the other day that said that many independent, small businesses, independent businesses are facing a huge problem, not just finding employees that I I kind of knew that was going to happen. We all did. We've heard about this happening. It's, it's tough to find people to work now. That that I'm not surprised by. What I was surprised is the story that many of the small businesses are having a really hard time because people they hire are ghosting them. They hire them. They interview them. They hire them. they Maybe they even start work and then all of a sudden they just don't show up for work. I don't know about you. Uh, that is something that I just can't ever imagine doing. Maybe it's a different time. Maybe I'm different from some people, that's fine. But if, I mean, I might switch jobs. I might tell someone who hired me, I found something else. But the idea of being hired and then just not showing up, that blows me away. And yet apparently tons of small businesses are facing this now. We'll talk about that with the the head of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Uh, Don Robertson will join us next hour. Lots to get to next hour, including talking about a question for the Hamilton, Burlington area this year. We're getting close to the end of the year. This has probably been the most successful teams. Yes, not the Ticats per se, but Bulldogs, Forge, Honey Badgers, and then so many local athletes. This has probably been the greatest ever year for Hamilton athletes. Who is the best of the city? Who should be the local athlete of the year? They're, they're Milan Boryan, who is the goalie for Team Canada in the World Cup. He's from Hamilton. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, the third leading scorer in the entire NBA. He's from Hamilton. Sarah Nurse, on the cover of EA Sports NHL 23, re- set records in the Olympics for scoring for the women's hockey team on the way to a gold medal and then won a world championship. She's from here. Nathan Rourke. Played his minor football in Burlington. The guy who was a top Canadian in the CFL would have been probably the most outstanding player if he hadn't been injured. You can go down the list. There's more. Mackenzie Hughes won a PGA golf tournament and did very, very well. Arbor Jacki. on and on and on. We're going to be talking about this. Who should be the top athlete for the city of Hamilton this year? Hamilton and Burlington. It's lots to get to. As always, the first segment of the Scott Radley Show is brought to you exclusively by fox40shop.com for sport and for safety it has to be fox40shop.com enter the promo code radley at checkout and you will get 25% off your order we will come back i keep thinking about those plow names hold them for tomorrow but you know be thinking what would you call a snow plow for the city of hamilton what would you name it we'll get to that tomorrow but you can think about it now we're coming back with matt francis ward 5 Counselor, new ward 5 Counselor, right after this
0: you're listening to the scott radley show podcast on 900 CHML
1: Scott Radley Show here on 900CHML. You've probably been, well, I hope you voted in the election, the municipal election. I hope you did, although that would still make you one of the minority. But even if you did, I hope you've been following what's been happening, keeping up on municipal politics. I'll tell you who is. The 10 new councillors and mayor who have been put into their seats now. They've been sworn in. They are now dealing with city issues. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, in other new councils, there have been big issues. We had the LRT. We had the stadium. We had Red Hill. We had a lot, uh, There are big issues. I don't remember there being, first of all, I don't remember there being this many new councillors, but I also don't remember there being so many big issues all of a sudden waiting or at least arriving the moment this new council takes office. One of those new counselors represents Ward 5. His name is Matt Francis. Joins us now. Matt, how are you today? Hi, Scott. I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, No problem. When you you ran and signed on, is this what you expected?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, somebody described it as drinking from the fire hose, and I think that's a, a great way to put it. I mean, that's kind of the way it's been for the first few weeks here. Um, it's, it is what I expected. I, I knew it was going to be this busy. I knew there was going to be a lot of issues. And, and I mean, definitely um, with the Bill 23 that's been thrown at us by the provincial government and those uh, changes that are coming as a result of this um, that are largely out of our control. Um, Yes, this has definitely thrown a a wrench into our plans and and made life more challenging for the 10 new councillors and and all of council.
1: I do do wonder, I have wondered before, and it seems to be an apropos question now. I've always thought the timing of the new council, of when the municipal election is and when the swearing-in is, is tough because you basically don't even warm up your seat yet and already they're throwing the budget stuff at you to sort out and these are not just complicated but these have a huge impact on people all over the city and you're you're faced with this immediately with these giant numbers of giant increases that you're going to have to try and whittle down.
2: Absolutely. I mean that's what we've been doing right from the get go here. And uh, you know, we're going through the uh, budget process right now. We're currently uh, today, we reviewed the uh, capital budget, which we uh, uh, deferred to later in January. Uh, we approved the rate budget on Friday. Um, and then we've got the operating budget coming up as well. And, and you know what, when I was out on the campaign trail, one thing that I, I heard consistently is people's taxes are are too high. People are falling behind, especially with the cost of living. Their quality of life uh, is going down because of the cost of living. And, uh, you know, inflation is driving this. There's a lot of things that are driving this, uh, supply chain issues. Um, so we as a council have to sit down and, and really think hard about uh what these numbers look like and and we need to be respectful of the taxpayer and uh you know keep that in mind that there's people in our city that are are struggling and and uh and they're making tough decisions now between uh eating or paying their taxes and that should never be the case so uh, we have to you know sit down as a council as we have been and and find ways to respect the taxpayer and and uh and keep that in the forefront of every decision that we make
1: do you When you, when you got into this, when you decided to run, honestly, you and and others, I mean, I know that probably you have watched council, you've kept up on what's been happening with city council, but did you know how things work at city hall or has that been an eye opener?
2: Well, believe it or not, I actually worked at City hall previously in the clerk's department, so I've had a bit of a crash course on on how this all goes down. but there's definitely i mean when you uh, uh, being a counselor is an executive position and it's uh, there's a lot to know and it's been a huge learning process, but uh, I think we're all kind of catching on here and uh, you know there's obviously a lot for for and I can't speak for other counselors, but I know it's been very busy for myself. There's been a lot to learn, and I've been excited to learn, and I'm excited. You know what? I am so excited and proud to serve the residents of Ward 5, the constituents here, and and move Hamilton forward at the same time. This is what I'm passionate about. I love my community, uh, and I care deeply about the future of our city and and, uh, my great ward of Ward 5.
1: We're only, how many weeks has it been since you were sworn in? Three? Something like that? Three
2: weeks now. Yeah, we're just three weeks into this now at this point.
1: Have you yet, so, I mean, it is very exciting and it's still, you know, it's got the new council smell and everything. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but you know what I mean. But have you yet had to face the wrath of anybody? Have any of the nasty calls or emails come yet?
2: <laughs> I mean, every day we get, we've got tons of calls, tons of emails and and, you know, definitely people have a lot of valid concerns and we deal with those appropriately. And my, I've got a, uh, an excellent, uh, executive administrator, David Ronald. He's done a fantastic job and staff, honestly, at the city have done a fantastic job transitioning this council, uh, to get up to speed in a hurry. And, and it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely helped this transition. And, uh, we deal with every, every single problem that comes at it at us. We, we deal with it head on and, and, uh, we make sure that, uh, it gets dealt with appropriately.
1: But one of the one of the concerns that some people had, I know there was a lot of movement afoot to have change on council, and we got change on council for sure. The downside to that, if there is a downside, is that there's not a lot of the experience that's left there. So you had worked there. You kind of get it. But it, it, I would have to believe that all kinds of new people taking on this new job, that there are times when lo- people are looking around saying, what are we supposed to do here?
2: <laughs> I, I know what you mean. And, and you know what? We are fortunate to have some, some steady veterans that have, uh, that are on council that have seen either, uh, a previous term or, or multiple terms and, and you know, uh Myself, I can't speak for any of the new counsellors, but myself, I mean, it's been nice to, uh, to kind of build that relationship with some of the veteran counsellors and, and see, you know, what things that, that work for them and why it's successful and, and kind of build off that. And I'm very, I'm very fortunate for the relationships that I've built with those veteran counsellors and, and uh, I've learned a lot from them. And, you know, relationships with other people, um, you know, in, in the political world and, and, and staff, too. I mean, they're just they've been phenomenal and uh, it's been it's it's been a nice transition because of uh, this help that they've given to us.
1: You mentioned taxes. Let me go back to that one for a second because back during the campaign, there was a a poll done before the vote by um uh, I think it was by main Street, Main Street research. and they were asking about what are people's number one and number two and number three issues in the city of Hamilton. Housing was the number one issue of concern. But number two after that was decreasing taxes. and yet, it seems that's almost going to be an impossible task. I mean, with with coming in with what was it, six point nine percent was the initial number that, and that was before Bill Twenty Three or before the, the the development charges and all these other things. I mean, it's it seems like you guys are running into a wall that won't get knocked down. Or or am I missing something?
2: Yeah, you know what? No, you're absolutely right. I mean, six point nine. It's it's tough, and we're working very hard. Um, I heard it at the doors, I, you know, I heard, uh, you know, it was, in, in my opinion, we're out in Ward 5 here, it was the number one issue. I mean, people were, uh, people are are cash strapped more now than they've ever been before. Um, we're in a financial crisis. Um, inflation has skyrocketed. The cost of goods has skyrocketed. Um, supply chain issues are, are hurting people badly. It's driving up the cost of goods and uh, people are feeling it. So, uh, you know, when we when they, they talk about their their property taxes, I mean, it's just another tax that uh, people are worried about. And you know what, uh, Bill Twenty Three does not help. I mean, uh, we now have to look seriously about how we can find a way to uh, to stabilize our taxes, and and uh, we we've got to get creative here going forward.
1: Is it doable? Do you believe that it's doable? Because the other part of this is that every council that comes in, especially when you have new people, they want to generally make a mark they want to br- they've they've campaigned on ideas for new programs new things oftentimes those cost more money rather than cutting money it makes for a really difficult thing to try and say we're going to bring it down while i also want to introduce all these ideas that i had
2: yeah absolutely it's it's definitely a balancing act and i mean you're sitting there with with 15 others that you have to to find that balancing act with And uh, I think at the end of the day, ultimately, everybody, you know, everyone sitting around that table is is very aware of the current financial situation that we're in. And uh, all I can say is we're going to try hard uh, to find ways to improve and and to to find efficiencies and create a a more efficient local government for, for taxpayers and respect the taxpayer.
1: Just before I let you go, um, I, I think many people will know that you used to uh, be a football player, pretty good football player. <laughs> I've been told to ask, is there something going on next Grey Cup with a council city fire police charity flag football game, or is that just a hope someone's throwing out now they got a ringer on the council? <laughs> this is
2: actually the first I'm hearing of it, but I'll be the first to sign up for that for sure. I mean, I was the... Uh, uh, the quarterback of the Hamilton Hurricanes uh, a number of years ago, uh, but uh, if that's the case, I, I better start uh, working out now, yeah. getting back in shape, and getting the arm back uh, going again.
1: Well, one of your other counselors has said that uh, he wants you to get this started. I guess so. I guess now that as I say now there's a ringer. The, the previous council, I mean, I don't know. Jason Farr maybe could play a bit, but I don't know. But uh, <laughs> but uh, now they got a ringer. I guess now they want to take everybody on. So we'll uh, we'll see. How, how how is how is the mayor as a wide receiver? I don't. I have no idea. Well, uh, I guess we'll find out, right? <laughs> That's
2: right. I guess we'll find out.
1: <laughs> Matt Francis, Ward Five Council. Always appreciate it. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for your time. You have a great day. It's uh, it, look. It is an interesting. Leaving aside uh, the future football hopes of uh, of our council, it's an interesting time for those, especially who have landed on council brand new, because the 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 tax increase that was already being talked about before. Um, the development charges were taken away by the province and council or staff has said that's going to be possibly a couple percent added to your taxes. We were already hearing like 6.9%. And as I said, many, if not most new councillors come in and uh, want to do something new. They want to make their mark. And often the way you make a mark is not necessarily by cutting stuff. Like when was the last time you saw a city councillor not want to cut a ribbon or get a plaque put up on a new building or something. People want to do something that makes their mark. That generally costs money. This is going to be a really a really tough budget time for all this, this brand new council to do what they say they want to do, do the things they ran on, and also somehow whittle down the tax hit so we're not getting 8%, 9%, 10%. Could you imagine? This is a tough time. There's nobody in the city that can afford that. It's going to be a real balancing act. It's going to be a real challenge for the brand new council to try and figure this one out. Take a break. Back
0: after this. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Welcome back to the Scott Radley Show here on 900 CHML. If you have been in the dating world ever, you've probably heard the phrase ghosting, or if you use social media, you may have heard the word ghosting, someone who you think you're connected to somehow, and then all of a sudden they're just gone. They're not responding to you. They're not taking time to get back to whatever you may have sent. Well, apparently this word can also be applied to the business world, the small business world, employers specifically. According to... Um, the Canadian Association of Small Businesses. A third of small businesses are now dealing with employees ghosting their companies. I, I I find this stunning. Dan Kelly is president and CEO of the organization. Joins us now, Dan. How are you today? Good to be with you. I maybe it's a time that you and I are grew up in or something. I I, I find this shocking. If you have taken a job.
3: I would find it shocking to just not show up. You know, but it's happening every day. Uh, it's it, it surprises me. A third of small businesses have told us that they have had candidates that have accepted a job, been through an interview process, that just don't show up. And then the employer has to hunt down to see if they intend to ever show up. Uh, beyond that uh it's it's even more epidemic among those that schedule an interview you schedule an interview at 11 o'clock on Tuesday after, Tuesday morning uh, and that time comes and, pe- and comes and goes and the employer has heard, heard nothing uh from you whatsoever it's 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 deeply saddening that this is where we are in the labor market today
1: I can not, I'm not excusing it. I can understand, or at least I can see how in this world with, you know, so many openings, I could see how somebody might not show up for an interview. I I don't excuse it. It seems to me to be the height of poor manners and bad behavior, but nonetheless, I could see that, but to take a job and not show up to me is something entirely different. I, again, maybe I'm just getting old or something, but that seems stunning.
3: It is, uh, you know, look, I, employers understand, especially small employers understand that the employee is not going to be with you forever. uh, And that they, and we also understand that sometimes you may be competing for more than one job at the same time. So the scenario might befall you that, uh, that you get an offer, you accept it. And then the other offer you were holding out for uh, comes through as well. And you, and you know, that one's giving you more money. You're a little closer to home. But for goodness sakes that sure doesn't excuse you from giving the employer a call who's counting on you to show up and letting them know that you're not going to be there and that's the common courtesy that I think is is sadly missing in so many in the job on the job market today you know uh, we have the luxury employees have the luxury right now prospective workers because the economy is so hot for 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 new jobs Uh, that they can pick and choose. Well, it isn't always that way, and your reputation does take a long time to bounce back. I really urge employees to make sure that they treat employers, even those that they're not intending to work for, with some degree of care. I do
1: understand exactly what you just said. If, If people are looking for work, and they've got a number of irons in the fire, and they get an offer you're wise to take it. That bird in the hand, you know, old cliche makes sense. And then something else that you really want comes up. I can see that. Now, once upon a time, Dan, that may have been seen as poor form to then call the first person back and say, I'm sorry, but I've got this other thing. Considering where we are right now, would that still be considered poor form or would the person who hired you go, "Ah, you know what? That's your dream job. I get it.
3: I think these days employers understand that, that their employees may not be with them forever and if they find another opportunity, uh, you know, they're disappointed when that person doesn't come, but they, I, I think, understand have, have long accepted that that's a natural part of the labor market. What does seem to be new, though, is the part about just disappearing, the ghosting element of this, where, where there's you go incommunicado after you've either accepted an interview or, in fact, accepted a position. And often the employer is left wondering. The other scenario that happens is somebody that just stops showing up at work, uh, you know, that you've worked for, say, three or four weeks. Uh, and then all of a sudden the employee stops coming. The employer is left wondering, OK, what's happened? They try to reach out and there's no contact for months on end. The employee doesn't, employer doesn't know if they can just move on uh, or if they, they can just uh, sever that relationship altogether. Uh, and it again, really poor form. Giving your employer basic information seems like the least that an employee could do in this job market.
1: That's a tricky point you just bring up though. if you're the employer and your employee ghosts you, do you is it can you go out and rehire someone for that, or do you run the risk that the person who ghosted you shows up two weeks later and goes, "Ah, sorry, I was sick." and now you're stuck with this legal thing where you've got two employees?
3: Generally speaking, there is still a probationary period that's respected. And if you've not if you've not shown up and you've not uh, not communicated that with your employer the reason why you're not there, the employer in most cases can move on. But it's a risky move because you know you do wonder is that empl- was that guy hit by a car and 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 so am I able to move on? And if somebody does have a, a good reason why they're not there, then you as the employer may be taking some risks. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 like it is just a, a job market that we haven't seen before with almost a million jobs sitting vacant right now. There should be no Canadian uh, that is un, unemployed at, at this stage, maybe not working in their field, but unemployment should not be there because there are so many job openings uh, right now among Canadian employers. Over half of small businesses say they're short of skilled workers and 40% tell us that they can't even find unskilled workers, entry-level workers, to fill the jobs that they have they have holding.
1: It's funny you just mentioned that because that was the next thing I was going to ask you. It was just coming to mind. Are we talking about everybody or are we talking about people with very specific skills here or do we know what are you hearing i mean if you've got someone who's got a very specific skill set i'm starting to sound like liam neeson in a bunch of his movies but um, (laughs) if you have very specific skills the demand for you may be very high maybe i can almost more even understand this but are we talking that or are we talking people who are just working as a cashier Uh,
3: at all levels it is the highly skilled and the uh and entry-level workers but i will say where we're seeing this the moat for the most part is in some of the sectors that were subject to lockdown. And that was retail, hospitality, the service sector, arts and entertainment, travel and tourism. Sectors that do employ a, lo- a large number of entry-level workers. Often these positions are lower paid. Um, and look, I can be sympathetic to this extent. During the, the course of the past uh, two years, because governments locked down the business community, then reopened, lockdown reopened, employees have been put through the ringer, and that has eroded sure. that is that has eroded the loyalty that many employees or prospects see for their employer. I'm hoping that that will bounce back now that we've got the pandemic measures uh, firmly in the rearview mirror, uh, and hopefully we can re-engage and get committed workers together with committed employers without as much of the nonsense that's going on today.
1: I agree with you about what just happened. However, I would hope Equally on the other way, I would hope that when the companies had to shut down because of COVID or whatever, that the employer would have contacted the employee and explained it, not just said nothing and assumed that they were going to not show up or something else. I I mean, it's to me, it's just the courtesy of being in communication and not leaving the other side hanging out to dry.
3: No, hundred percent. And and look, yes, employers, of course, have the legal responsibility to keep their employees posted. If you wanted to uh, to to lay them off, you obviously have to have communication, otherwise, you're going to be liable to uh, to pay their wages until such time as they are laid off and able to go to, say, the employment insurance system. Um, but but yeah, no, look, this is I mean, look, this is a continued erosion of basic courtesies that that we extend to each other. Uh, this one, I think, does need to to be reversed. Uh, and I do think it can harm, you know, employees should think about this. Prospects should think about this because while it, you know, people may shrug their shoulders today, uh, the job market may not always be as hot and and your reputation can suffer uh, down the road if, in fact, uh, if in fact, you are looking for a work elsewhere, if you've treated your last employer with with disrespect, uh, that, that could be, that could, you know, then your next employer may find that out one day.
1: Mm -hmm. And we got to run, but I I have wondered about that as you've been talking this whole time. I, I personally, and again, maybe it's just me. I would be terrified that if I ghosted an employer, that somehow that ends up getting known somehow to the next person that I go to work for that, you know, I don't know how it might happen. I don't know that there's any kind of channel of line of communication for employers for this kind of thing, but it would seem to me you would be putting yourself in a position where potentially, as
3: you say, that could become your reputation. It's very true that that can happen, but I think employees are willing to spin the dial right now. Uh, uh, you know, an employer could, of course, uh, put something out on social media about the disrespect that they've just received, uh, but then they run the risk, of course, of uh, of being sued. So, look, it's it's a job market that is very much employee-centered right now. Hopefully, that will balance itself out in the, in the months ahead. Uh, employers need to treat their workers with respect, but it should work both directions, as you said.
1: Dan Kelly, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Thanks for doing this today. Really appreciate it.
0: Anytime you're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: It is time for Matt's story of the day. Matt is in today and here's how this works. I'm going to give Matt three stories from around the world and Matt will then decide however he chooses to decide. Matt will decide which one is Matt's story of the day. And Matt, I can tell you this, the song you played at the beginning there when we came in about history is made by stupid people. Probably never before as true as the three options we're going to have today this is the this is a a resume of stupidity just a, a stew a, a, a stupidity stew perhaps would be a better way to describe it it is just it's it's stunning starting with this one which may be the worst criminal ever and we've talked about a lot of bad criminals we've had the criminal on here who went to the bank and wrote a note to Give the money on his birth certificate. That was bad. We've had the guy who robbed a bank with a walker and only got half a block away (laughs) when the police arrived. We've had some dumb criminals. This guy in St. Cloud, Florida, may take the cake over all of them. He attended a Walmart where he decided to try shoplifting. All right. That so far, yeah, happens. I mean, lots of people, I'm sure, have tried shoplifting from Walmart over the years in different places. Here, here is the problem. The Osceola County Sheriff's Office was having its annual shop with a cop event at the time. There were 40 officers in, along with the forensics team, the community service team, and the sheriff in the store when this guy tried to rip off the Walmart.
2: So what you're saying is that for his sake you're hoping this wasn't premeditated.
1: This is I mean look it's one thing I would never encourage anyone to rob from a store period end of story. But if you've got 50 to 60 police officers in the store marked as being in the store seems like at the very least if you're if you're absolutely bound determined you're going to steal from this store maybe come back the next day Come back in a couple hours. This seems like it's 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 trying a little too hard to.
0: There's to, there's bad
2: luck, and then there's that.
1: That's exactly right. There's bad luck, and then there's that. It's um, yeah, th- that not exactly uh, not exactly going to be going into the all brains hall of fame. Uh, story number two comes to us from Japan, where a the police in. Fukuoka were very surprised when a guy rode into the lobby of their police station on a moped right through the door, just rode right in on his moped. Uh, I guess, uh, I shouldn't say I guess, I mean, look, this does not happen every day. They do not have a drive through lobby in any of the police stations. Uh, why did he drive into the lobby of the police station? You ask? Well, it's because he wanted to uh make a point to tell police that he demanded that they go out there and crack down on rude driving because <laughs> Yeah. That is the uh, that is the pot calling the kettle black. He he was upset with people driving improperly. So he drove into the police station to make his point. Uh-huh. Story number three, this one. This one is almost too unbelievable to believe. Thankfully, nothing bad happened, apparently. I mean, nothing worse than was already happening. It was already a bad situation. But in Germany, a 72-year-old woman, this is stunning, in a German hospital in Mannheim, police have arrested this woman because uh, twice she tried, well, she did switch off her hospital roommate's ventilator because she was annoyed by the sound it made. Yeah. Someone is on a breathing apparatus to keep them alive And you are annoyed by the Whatever sound that the breathing apparatus makes And so you don't ask to move rooms Maybe she did, but nonetheless You turn it off She's been charged with attempted manslaughter uh, the, the victim is apparently okay she's, she's, She had to be revived the first time But she's okay Nonetheless, it is, uh, it,
2: as okay as you can be, as okay
1: that. as you can be. It is a, it is a stunning bit of the world revolves around me. Ness. When you decide to turn off a breathing apparatus because it's annoying you of someone else who needs it. That's that to me, that to me pretty much is the epitome of the planet revolves around my orbit. Will your story of the day today then be the man in St. Cloud, Florida, who decided to try and rip off a Walmart that was absolutely jammed to the hilt with police officers for its annual shop with a cop of it? (laughs) Will it be the Japanese moped rider angry with rude drivers who took his complaint to the police by driving right into the lobby of the police station or will it be the german woman upset at her hospital roommate's breathing apparatus making too much noise so she twice shut it off it's
2: got to be the shop with the cops guy <laughs> that's <laughs> that's probably about the most amount of cops possible to be in one place other than the police station and that's where you
1: went that Yes, it would be. It would be like robbing the police station or trying Absolutely. to. You're, you're about right. Yeah. I'm going to go and steal from the evidence lockup in the police station and walk out the front door and see how that goes. You're right. That or, you know, certain donut shops, perhaps at certain times of the day, once upon a time. Although the police, certain, this police seem to be doing a lot less donut eating these, a lot more healthy cops than once upon a time. But yeah, do not, uh, do not do this. If, if, well, don't, don't rob any stores anyway but especially ones that are wall-to-wall with police officers. That's a, that's a very bad idea. There is Matt's story of the day. When we come back after the break, Don Robertson is going to join us. Who should be the best, who should be the top, the local athlete of the year for Hamilton Burlington? We we're going we going to give you some of the choices. It is a long, excellent, unbelievable list. The best list ever. I'm not making that up. I'm not, hy- not hyperbole, not exaggerating. We'll let you help us decide who should be the athlete of the year. We'll do that next.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900CHML.
1: Hour number two of the Scott Radley Show here on 900CHML. Thanks for being with us this evening. Glad you are able to join us. A reminder of what we were talking about at the very start of last hour. The city has decided to ask us, to name their new snowplows or name their snowplows, period. So tomorrow we're going to be asking you. So you've got time. You've got 24 hours to come up with some names of what we could call the city's snowplows. Each could have a different name. But I'm just thinking that, you know, the audience for this show will do better than almost anyone, I'm convinced, at coming up with good names. Not, not plowy McPlow face, like Bodie McBoat face when the British asked for a name for their ships. Although that was hysterical. We're going to do better than that. So by tomorrow, have a few ready. We're going to open the lines and open the email and you can text it in. You can email me. People are already emailing me with suggestions. You can do that. Radley, R-A-D-L-E-Y, radley at 900chml.com. You can do that now. And, uh, and a quick reminder, by the way, speaking of suggestions tomorrow morning and for the next number of days on Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin. He is having the Hamilton Christmas Music Madness Contest. It's a kind of a March Madness, although December, bracket of best Christmas music. Be listening in the morning. Tomorrow, I think, I think tomorrow is blue Christmas versus rocking around the Christmas tree. I think that's where he's going tomorrow. So, you know, tune in for that as well. Basically, just don't turn off your radio ever. Snap off the tuning dial. Like get it locked into 900 c and then snap it off. If you have welding equipment, use it. Weld it into place and then just never do anything with it. Just let us play 24 hours a day. Let us be there for you. Lots going on. Let me give you your quiz question and then we are getting on to our good friend Don Robertson. But the quiz question today, you got to think about this. It's not that difficult but you have to listen in order to figure out what, we're, what is missing. There are seven countries in Central America. Now, your quiz question today is only going to require you to know one of them. Here it is. There are seven countries in Central America. There is Belize. There is Costa Rica. There is El Salvador. There is Guatemala. There is Honduras. There is Nicaragua. And what is the last one? What is country number seven in Central America? Now that you know where I'm going with this, let me say them again, and you can see if you can come up with the missing country. Seven countries in Central America. Belize, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua. What is the seventh country in Central America that I have not mentioned? 905-645-3221 or star 9900, star 9900. If you think you know the answer, you can call Matt. Matt is waiting to hear from you. Or you can text us, 905-645-3221. If you think you know the answer, send a text. Please include your first name along with your answer. We're looking for the one- central american country that we did not mention there are seven of them we left one out if you missed it we'll get to it again in a few minutes stick around we'll um we will get to that when we get to that in a little bit first let me bring in our good friend a a a regular who uh who is always on here we bring him on every Monday night at this time. He is the owner and operator of the Dundas Real McCoys, who we are going to talk about a little bit this hour. Uh, He is the guy who runs ComChoice Realty. You see his face up on signs all over the place. Uh, He does a lot of other things as well. His name is Don Robertson joins us. Don, how are you today?
4: I'm great, Scott. How are you?
1: I am How excellent. I uh, I do want to talk about the Dundas Real McCoys and the uh, Allen Cup Hockey League, which is back in business after uh, after the off season, back starting playing again. Which uh, we will get to that a little later in the show. So um, if you're if you're in this area and you I, I like hockey, or not, you prefer not. Was it a rough start? Yeah. Okay. Well,
4: maybe but I have a but I will talk about it because I'm not scared. But can I uh, can I throw a name in for the snowplow?
1: Yes, absolutely, you can. Late, late.
4: Yes.
1: <laughs> just plain, yeah. My street never gets plowed, so it's going to be late. Yes. Well, yeah. That, that's uh, for some people. For some people, I uh, I don't know what the what the proper name for this is, Don. I have to give it some thought. But what's the name for one that is perfectly timed, always to come along as soon as I just finish, so it then blocks in my driveway with three foot yes. of three feet of slush.
4: Well, it's a it's called a pain and you can finish the rest of it. Uh-huh. I guess I I should finish the rest of it cuz you you uh, do this for a living. So, uh. <laughs>
1: it's true though. It's it's an amazing thing yeah. that it somehow times it. I think they are on radio communication by GPS and someone at, you know, central headquarters saying, "Radley finally finished his driveway. Go, 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 go." And they they know exactly when to get there to to block me back in. <laughs> In yes. fact, Don, I'm not lying, last year or the year before, I can't remember, true story, 100% true, I finished my driveway, I got into my car to back out, and I had to get back out and shovel, because in the time it took me to put my shovel away <laughs> and get into my car, my driveway was blocked in.
4: It was incredible. Was the guy laugh, laughing and pointing as he drove by?
1: Um, I I, I, I was so blinded by rage, I couldn't tell. <laughs> It's um it's not usually that specific a time, but I'm sure people know what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, when you get your car washed and it inevitably rains or a pigeon poops on your car. It has to happen. Well, seems to seems to work. Uh, now there's you who's got your whose driveway is seven and a half kilometers long, so it doesn't really matter.
4: Yeah, well my neighbor does ours. Long before the city does. So because we're uh like a sea road. You know uh, Ferguson Road and Lloyd's not the councillor anymore, so it may never get plowed again. Um, <laughs> you got you got to uh, rename it I'm after the current councillor.
1: Yeah, you got to call it yeah. Kassar Road now. Maybe it'll get done.
4: Uh, okay. <laughs> as soon as as soon as, as soon as his family's been elected, seventy three years, we'll do that.
1: Well, you know we're we're, we're three weeks in, so we're, we've started. Um, you know, Don, I wrote something this week for the spec, and I wanted to ask you about it because you know as much about uh, sports in this city as anyone. And um, I had raised the, the thing that I noticed, which was I think this may have been the single greatest year for sports in the city of Hamilton. You had the Bulldogs win, you had you guys win, you had the Honey Badgers win, you had the Forge win, but not even that because... The other part about this, the the Golden Horseshoe Athlete of the Year is an award given every year, but it's given to an athlete, not a team. So there's no team thing for it. But if you look at what Hamilton athletes have done this year, it is, I I believe, completely unprecedented. You've got the goalie for Canada's World Cup team, Milan Boryan. First time Canada's been back to the World Cup in 36 years, and he was a huge reason why they qualified and why they won. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a basketball player in the NBA for the Oklahoma City Thunder, third leading scorer in the entire NBA right now, which is unbelievable. Sarah Nurse won a gold medal at the Olympics in women's hockey, also set scoring records there, also won a gold medal at the World Championships, also the cover athlete for EA Sports NHL 23. Mackenzie Hughes, PGA Tour golfer, won his second career tournament, which is incredibly difficult to do in golf. That's, it just, it doesn't happen. Um, Sharon McKinnon won the Kona Ironman Triathlon in her age group, which is a ridiculous athletic achievement. Arbor Jackeye was not only the Bulldogs' most dominant player, won an OHL championship. Now he's playing regularly for the Montreal Canadiens. Nathan Rourke, who if we include in this, I'm not sure if we can, but Nathan Rourke um, was quarterback for the BC Lions, would have been the most outstanding player in the CFL if he hadn't been injured, almost certainly, was the top Canadian and now is getting NFL tryouts. Who And, and there could be others as well. There could be others. Who do you put as the top athlete for this city? Who do you put for your top three, even?
4: Well, that's a sucker bet. Um... So I don't follow all of the sports as closely as probably a number of the listeners.
1: No, but you know, so that, you know where they yeah, are in the no, pecking I, order, and you know which ones are big I'm, and which aren't.
4: I'm just trying to bail out a little bit. Um, <laughs> the the point is that uh, somebody from the nurse family will always be in the mix, and here's what here's what I always struggle with. Uh, like you're, you're right. Matt Hughes won another PGA golf tournament. That's pretty cool. We are. We have a kid from Hamilton, third in the NBA scoring. That's outstanding. But guys like uh, Mackenzie Hughes and people from the Nurse family will always be in the mix. But I know people that say, well, they shouldn't win it because they've already won it before. Which I always think is a crock. Because if you should win it, you should win it. Yep. But some of the most outstanding feats that we've seen. And they're not available every year, right? Like, uh, I'll I'll monkey this name up, Borjan. Yep. Like, he came from Croatia, raised in Hamilton, uh, took us to the world stage. That can't happen every year. He has to be, if you want a top three, one of my guys in the top three. Um Who's the kid that's in the NBA? Shea
1: Gilgis Alexander.
4: So that isn't going to happen every other week when there's a kid from Hamilton that good as a basketball player. But how did he do? We're talking about that's what this is. That's only a couple months, but he was pretty good last year. So, you know, I would throw him in there, uh, Mason, or Mason uh, McTavish. He's pretty good hockey player. Is, is he a Hamilton guy, though? He played for the Bulldogs.
1: He played for the Bulldogs. He's not a Hamilton guy. He could qualify. Um, I, I was, uh, you know, when I looked at the Bulldogs, there were a bunch of guys you could have picked because with the run they went on, I, I had picked Arbor guy who was the defenseman for them, who's now playing for the Montreal Canadiens and was, you know, dominant from the whole time he got here last year. But you could, I mean, there's, and he's a Hamilton guy, which to me gave it an extra oomph. I mean, he's, he was... Yeah. You know, raised right near Tim Hortons Field. So,
4: but um, so I, I, I'm good for two of them. You ask for three, I'm I'm going disqualify to my, disqualify myself in uh, with the Matt Hughes one because he's a friend and I know the family. So that's uh, you know, so I'll, I'll back out. But there's two, and anybody in the nurse family, anybody, the parents, the grandparents, cousins, sisters, anybody, throw any of them in because they're always going to be in there for the next decade. But Kia Nurse has done an awful lot of cool things. So if I had to pick one of the Nurse family, it would be Kia Nurse.
1: And so see, the funny thing three is... three,
4: and I'm probably wrong.
1: Uh, no, and, and you know what? Kia Nurse is, is you're right. It's What she's done is amazing, and yet this year, to me anyway, to me this year, maybe not her year, only because, not that she didn't do great things, but... The level, the bar has been raised. I mean, I, as I said at the top, I don't. I, I would. I'll, I'll. have a fight with someone over whether or not there's been a better year for Hamilton athletes. Um,
4: oh, I don't think there has been. I mean, usually we could have this conversation, and we would have. You know, you'd say, "Let's talk about five people, and two of them would be fillers." Yep. Yep. Just so we could get to five. Holy cow. There's five or six of them that could win. And me being Mr. Nice Guy, I would have about five of them tie for first.
1: Well, the other thing about this year's group, which is to me, sets it apart and makes this year so unusual for people from around here. And again, Nathan Rourke, um, you know, we didn't even talk about it. if he had if he especially if he had not got injured for the BC Lions he would be. He would have been the most outstanding player in the CFL and had a one of the greatest ever years for a Canadian quarterback. Period. Um, the Rough the job. thing about yeah the thing about this that's so amazing is that we're asking about these folks for who is the best Hamilton Burlington athlete of the year. There are a number of these names that are going to be talked about when they're talking with the Canadian athlete of the year. Sarah Nurse is going to be in the discussion for whatever they're calling the Lou Marsh Trophy now. I can't remember the North Star Award or something. Sarah Nurse is going to be in the discussion for that. Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to be in the discussion for the Canadian one. Mackenzie Hughes, I don't think he's going to get too far along there because there's a bunch of golfers, but his name will come up in those discussions for the Canadian one. Nathan Rourke's name is going to come up in the Canadian one. Like you've got, there's four, and maybe there's others, but there's four who we're talking about which one of them should win the Hamilton Burlington award. Maybe we should be talking about them Is one of them going to win the national
4: award. Isn't that great though? I mean, isn't that wonderful that we can have this conversation and there are so many that will be considered as elite athletes for 2022 um, from our area. I think it's wonderful. And I uh, and oddly enough, who who does these selections? Because they don't call me. That's crazy. They should call me. There is a committee. Um, no,
1: there is a committee that does it. They're actually, their first meeting is tonight for uh, to go over. Good luck to them. I told, uh, when I was asking about when their meeting was, they told me tonight, I said, well, be sure you take a bottle. You may be there a while <laughs> and you may need some help. It's uh, yeah. it, just to calm everyone down because this is the other thing. Is like, okay, so just let me list a few other names I didn't even mention of people who had amazing years that I didn't even put as one of the potential finalists because of the level. I mean, uh, you mentioned Kia Nurse, Carter Verhage, uh, NHL player. Uh, there's some cyclists, Ruby West and Car- Carson Mattern, who are uh, amazing up-and-coming cyclists. Uh, Max Turek won the National Cross-Country Championship for McMaster. Uh, the Hamilton Honey Badger, Canadian Player of the Year, Kayla Bagada was in there. Not even... Uh, Canadian Premier League Defender of the Year from Forge FC, Alexander Achinodi jonsson um, Mitch DeSnu was for the Toronto Rock, the Hamilton Rock uh, Defensive Player of the Year. You mentioned Mason McTavish. Marco Costacini was the Goalie of the Year. Logan Morrison won the Wayne Gretzky Award, the 99 Award for Top Player in the OHL Playoffs. Darnell Nurse had a really good year for Edmonton. I didn't even include them, Don, and there are others. In fact, I'll tell you something. When I wrote this the other day, and to your point about how you know this is so great, it is, I had a letter from someone who said, is it so good that they now have to introduce an Amateur Athlete of the Year because we have so many amazing athletes from this area now that no amateur athlete is ever going to have a chance?
4: Well, if you really want to break it up, why don't you have... Uh, I guess you can't even do that anymore. Uh, I'm saying it anyway. A male and a female Athlete of the Year, professional. and now. Now, the interesting thing is when I... When I say that out loud and listen to myself, I go, this is a pretty amazing year, and what you don't want to have to do is start searching for the female professional athlete of the year. There will always be amateur ones, but there will be times when, you know, it was Elena Sharp's to lose because she played on the LPGA Tour. Not because she won tournaments, but because she played on the Tour. So that might be under the category of "be careful what you wish for," and I'm not even sure you can do boy and girl thing anymore. Well, you can where I live. No, but where the, I live.
1: But Don, there's also something to be said. I think for having won. Like so, there have been some years way back, 20 years ago when this thing got started, 25 years ago, whatever. Uh, not taking anything away from the people who won, but you're right the 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 field was not nearly as strong. It was still great to win. But today, for any one of these people who is in the mix, it, this is not, like, once upon a time you may have said, oh, well, you know, I, was, I play in the NBA or I play wherever. What, what difference does the local athlete of the year make? If you're, let's say Shea Gilgis-Alexander was to win this year. I have no idea if he's even going to be a finalist, but let's say he does. And he says, I beat out the goalie for Canada's World Cup team, Sarah Nurse, Mackenzie Hughes, Nathan Rourke. Like, that's a legitimate trophy to win you're not just getting the local participant ribbon like that's a legitimate group of excellent unbelievable athletes that you've beaten so to to separate it by men and women or anything else i i just like the idea that you know what it's such a high level thing that if you win you've really won something
4: well so there's a couple ways to extend the conversation First of all, nobody's beating Scott Radley because he was the best rec goalie in the league. But if you look back, you're right. The, the uh, cast of characters, is cast of athletes, is pretty premium this year. And you'd be more familiar with this than me because you'd partially do it for a living. But you could take each one of these top six, five, four, eight, and then do a review of the last 20 years and say each one of them with their accomplishments would have been athlete of the year in 2002 and not taking anything away from the people that have previously won it. But if you look at their accomplishments, standing alone versus some of the past winners, they would have won it going away.
1: There's a and bunch.
4: Again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to disparage the people that have won it before, I hope people understand what I'm trying to say is there are a multitude of winners. So, me being me is really unusual. I just say we have a bunch of people tie, the top six people tie for first.
1: There are, you're right, there are a lot of years, and I'm not going back because I don't want to be sounding like I'm disparaging previous winners, but there are a lot of years where you're absolutely right. Whoever was in the top 5 this year would have won. There have been years when they wouldn't have. Um but it's it it is a remarkable year what what's happened in the in the city this year and and I don't know that I don't know that we're going to see this again to these numbers at the same point don. Um I don't know that we're not. I mean some of these some of these athletes are doing things that are in a lot of ways uh, repeatable. Maybe not to this level, but certainly repeatable in that they're still amazing.
4: Let me ask you this question: Morjon, right? In Milan. Yep. Yep. He um, he probably is just as good a goalie for the last three years, but we didn't talk about him that much. Correct. Because he wasn't playing; he wasn't the goaler for Canada's national soccer teams that went to the World Cup. So, I'm pretty sure since he's our best goalie in Canada, that didn't happen three weeks ago. No. So, are there misses? And some people, Kian Nurse didn't, but she's perennial. Like I said earlier, there's always going to be a nurse in the running, like for the next decade. But you know, you get guys like that, and you put them on the right stage. And all of a sudden you go, wow, he's really good. Well, chances are he was really good three years ago. And we were hardly talking about him.
1: And and, and you're right. I mean, he, he in all likelihood, because the platform will not be, the stage will not be as grand next year, he could be just as good and we probably won't. Um, Sarah Nurse does not have an Olympics to play in next year. So... The stage will not be as large it would be she can see st- she can be every bit as good, but she will not have the the same opportunity to perform so you know you're right it's a it's a really interesting one i'd love to um i'd love for people to let us know what they think uh, send me a, a text or an email the text at nine oh five six four five three two two one or you can send me an email radley r a d l e y radley at nine hundred c h m l dot com who would you vote for i don't it doesn't matter what your reasons doesn't matter what, just who would you vote for? You can. The rules only allow for one winner, unless they change the rules because they can't decide. But the rules right now only allow for three finalists and one winner. Who would you vote for? While you ponder that, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Don, talk a little more sports, a little more. There's lots, still lots to get to. We've got a long list we're going to get to with Don, including talking a little Dundas, Real McCoys right after this.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900CHML.
1: Your quiz question this evening: There are seven. We only need one, but I'm giving you telling. There are seven countries in Central America. There is Belize. There is Costa Rica. There is El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and what other country? What is the other country that I did not mention that is in? Central America, Belize, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and this one. I'll give you a hint. Also the name of an outstanding Van Halen song. It's probably giving away too much. Nonetheless, 905-645-3221 or star 9900. You can also text 905-645-3221. Please include your first name. If you do, send us your answer. Don Robertson is with us, as he always is on Monday at this time. Um, Don, we saw yesterday that the Veterans Committee for the Baseball Hall of Fame elected Fred McGriff, one-time former Blue Jay, to get in. Uh, Didn't get in the traditional way. He got in, as I say, through the Veterans Committee. Uh, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, others not getting in. They chose the guy who never had a whiff of steroid use attached to his name. Should that matter at this point since seemingly so many people did, or is it encouraging to you that the guy they honored is the one who did it without using the stuff?
4: I don't know why mixed. I remember a broadcaster I used to listen to all the time and talking about the Ben Johnson affair and the Olympics and everything else and he said, You know what? These guys want to shoot themselves full of steroids and die six weeks after so they can win a gold medal. Who are we to judge? Uh, But that's really not how it works. Um, McGriff appeared to be clean. Uh, Was so good, he probably helped the Toronto Blue Jays win two World Series, and he was a premium guy. But they traded him. Got Alomar and um, I forget who Carter, Joe Carter and Joe Carter and they got rid of Fernandez and everybody loved those guys. So, you know, I got a soft spot for Fred McGriff. I'm sure Paul Beeston who voted on it did, but the, they've taken a stand and they don't want known cheaters in the hall of fame. They can't do anything about the ones that they thought cheated. And everybody brings up Babe Ruth, but I don't think beer and hot dogs before a game probably enhances performance, but they took a stand, and I like this route because it does help guys that maybe missed it, and maybe there was a mistake, or maybe the fans want in. So, I'm good with McGriff getting in, and, you know, if Barry Bonds and uh, Roger Clements, who was a bit of a cocky SOB. You know, I'm okay if he sits with me. He maybe shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, but that's kind of a personal side of it, but you know, they don't want guys that knowingly were outed for cheating in their Hall of Hall fame. So I'm yeah. okay with that. I, I
1: The thing that I thought of immediately when I saw Fred McGriff going in is, I, see, I I appreciate that they did this as well, and I'll tell you why. If, let's say, so there, there's been never a suggestion that Fred McGriff used this stuff, and if you saw his body, uh, he was long and lanky always. He was never thick. He was never a... Uh, you know, a, a big guy that way. What if Fred McGriff had decided to use the stuff? Instead of 493 home runs, I think he had was his total, which for a long time there, he didn't hit that magical 500 number, so he didn't get in. What if he juiced himself up? He might have hit 600 home runs. And then we wouldn't have had to have this discussion about a veterans committee, because if he doesn't get caught, maybe he gets voted in. I, I, I just look at the numbers that some of the other guys get, and I think, well, I do you honor them for that? Or do you look at that skeptically? I, I, McGriff seemingly did it right. And you can look at those numbers and believe them and you can compare them, which is one of the things that baseball loves is you can compare them to other eras. Fairly. You can compare what Fred McGriff did to what Babe Ruth did because neither one was hopped up on roids. And you can then have some kind of comparison of what they did. I, I, I say I. I just think it's a good, it's a good thing that they take this stand and say no, we're not interested in giving the guys who took the easy way. We're gonna we're gonna give it to the guys who did it the right way. So good for well, them.
4: Well, I think uh, I agree, and I, I I said that. But here's the interesting thing: Would Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens made it to the Hall of Fame if if uh, and let me say it's alleged because I don't know if it's been proven, but allegedly they took performance dancing and drugs. So if, in fact, that allegation is not true, or let's say say it is true, but if they hadn't, would they have been in the Hall of Fame? I would suggest to you that they would have been.
1: Yes, because where the allegations come is midway or later in their careers, both of them. And in both cases... With
4: with Clemens, mostly Toronto.
1: Yeah, but in both...
4: Cy Cy Young Awards at the age of 73 years old in Toronto.
1: And Bonds, same. Setting home run records when everyone else is leveling off and dropping off. Look, I, I really believe you're right. I really believe the irony is both of these guys, if you were to just take the measure of their careers up to the point when the drug taking allegedly started, both are in the Hall of Fame. Even if they had yeah, just, they, even if they started to descend at the normal rate that the a typical athlete does, yeah. they still go into the Hall of Fame.
4: Yep, because what they were doing was saying, "Look, I'm breaking down because that every sport is hard on the body. So I'm breaking down. I'm going to take these, allegedly take these. I think I quit saying allegedly. I mean, but you know, I'm going to take this stuff just to keep myself the same way I was five years ago." You know, I get up in the morning and get out of the shower and look in the mirror and go, I want to take something that makes me look like I was 40 years ago, (laughs) not five years ago. I mean, sometimes it's not, it's a mess. But these guys want to prolong and just keep going at the level that they were at. And that's kind of what they did, although performance enhancing seems like a really good word when it comes to Barry Bonds and uh, Roger Clemens. So I think they got it right. But here's what I think they need to relook really at is Pete Rose. Like, Pete Rose cut a deal with uh, who's the commissioner that died? Bart Giamatti. Suddenly, yes, and cut a deal with them and everything else. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. There seems to be some evidence that it is true. But to keep Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame, and I know there's signs in there saying, you can't bet on baseball. There's no evidence. He bet against his own team, which is always good because if I'm betting on anybody, I'm betting on my team winning. But if you do that, and now they have these betting sites as sponsors for Major League Baseball. Can't, I don't know how to spell uh, hypocrisy.
1: Yeah, you still can't bet on your own team being involved, which he did. Um, I,
4: I Only to win.
1: Yeah, but when you're the manager, and this is the problem that Pete Rose has, when you play every single day, when your team plays every single day and you don't vote on, you don't bet on your team every day, what it's suggesting is there are other days when maybe you're not using your best closer, you're not using your best pitcher, you're not using your best lineup because you're giving guys a rest and you're expecting that you're not taking your best shot at it. That that to me is kind of the problem here. So yeah, you may be yeah. betting on your team on those days, but if I'm a, a bookie, every day that Pete Rose doesn't bet on his own team, geez, I'm betting on the other team. It's the biggest tip off ever.
4: Yeah, I'd forgotten you and I had this conversation, but it's all coming back to me. Anyways.
1: Anyway, anyway, well, it's a-
4: I'm good. I'm I'm good with McGriff, and I'm good with uh, Bonds and uh, Clemens not being in.
1: Let's uh, take a quick break. When we come back with Don Robertson, we'll give you the quiz question again, and we are going to talk about the return of senior hockey to Dundas and other places, including some new places. Well, a new place. Maybe two new places. I can't remember. We'll, We'll figure it out right after this. Stay with us.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Scott Radley show here on 900CHML. Don Robertson with us for a few more minutes this evening. Uh, Don Robertson, of course, every week when I introduce him, I bring him in as the guy behind the Dundas Real McCoys. Well, the Dundas Real McCoys, among other teams, are now back on the ice for the 22-23 Allen Cup Senior Hockey season. Started last Friday, I believe. Right, Don? Thursday. Thursday. And, you know... These have been weird days during COVID. Um, The last few years have certainly been challenging, and I'll be honest, I think that there are probably some people who thought that uh, the work that it takes to keep a league going with players who aren't being paid an extraordinary amount of money and have done their hockey lives, I, I, I bet you there were some people who thought that maybe this league might not come back when COVID was done, but here you guys are back again.
4: Yeah, well, they
1: were wrong. They were wrong. No, it's uh, it is an amazing Um, amount of work, though, to keep it going. I'm
4: guessing it's it's insane, and I'll tell you, uh, there couldn't have been better timing for uh, the real estate market to slow down (laughs) like it has since July, because had the real estate market stayed, and you know, about half my portfolio was commercial and industrial and farms. So, But the fact that the uh, residential market has slowed significantly, provided uh, me an opportunity to... Uh, you know, we've lost our commissioner, Tom Strahl through health reasons, has uh, bowed out. So we needed a new commissioner. Uh, Brantford opted to um, not participate again this year for uh, family reasons, but that's three years. So I don't think we have a Brantford franchise any longer. And the owners of the Hamilton franchise let us know early on, in in fairness to them, that they weren't going to operate. So you kind of go, oh, boy, this is fun. And then um, uh, I I had lunch with a guy by the name of Rod Millard, who owns Griffith Financial up in Waterdown and Shai's Restaurant. And his uh, his, uh, son-in-law-to-be played for me, Tyler Van Cleef. And Rod came to a few games. We had lunch. He wants to buy a team and is now proud owner of the Wentworth franchise, playing out of Harry Howell, who played last Thursday night. They had kids on the ice, they had an anthem singer. It was a spectacular opening at our level. It was there was a, a great crowd. The uh, sadly the home team won. Which is always good for a new franchise. When you're playing the Robertson Cup champions, which is the Dundas, Friel, McCoys, and, and we had a short bench and, and they, they beat us. And uh, so it was a perfect opening for them. I thought it sucked, but it, it was a perfect opening for them. <coughs> and we've had uh, people from Brampton that wanted to come in the last couple of years. And now they're in. And they're going to play at the CEA Centre where the uh, battalion and the uh, ECHL team played. So I, I'm not as familiar with those guys. Um,
1: and where the I, Honey Badgers uh, are now playing, I believe.
4: Yes. And I, so I kind of struggle with I don't really know their operation. I inherited it from Tom, our commissioner. And um, so we'll see how that goes. And by the way, we have a new commissioner, Rick Richardson from Caledonia, represented senior hockey at Hockey Canada, the OHF, chairman of the board of the OHA. So we have tremendous leadership. And so I have that team in Brampton who played the uh, Hamilton Steelers, not Steelhawks, last Friday night at uh, the Dave Anerchuk Arena, and the Steelers won uh, 6-3. So they, they are a quasi-new franchise, so you kind of got to watch the moving parts. The uh, last year's uh, showcase tournament had the Dundas Real McCoys, the Hamilton Steelhawks, and the Flamborough Ducks which uh, I operated, uh, which was the old Whitby franchise, and with the Hamilton Steelhawks, again, giving us lots of notice, they're out. We thought we had somebody to take the Steelhawks over, and um, down the garden path, that kind of didn't work out last minute. And then some idiot thought that it would be really good to resurrect the Flamborough franchise and have them play to the Dave Banner Trek Arena and pay the bills. So... We don't particularly have uh, an independent owner in uh, Hamilton, but we have a tremendous group of players who have all played in the league. Um, <coughs> pardon me, Daniel Sabine is a goaltender with, with the Steelhawks, with Stony Creek, the uh, Roberto brothers, uh, Kyle McQuaid, all these guys. So now we have a pretty good team in Hamilton. They'd love to beat the Dundas Real McCoys, and I know why. They don't like me. Uh, but they but they beat the uh, Brampton Buccaneers last Friday night, six three at the Mountain Arena. And there we go. You can't – it would take two pages to write all that, but that's how this is going to unravel. And the interesting thing is I've had two calls, because people know I'm involved with the Hamilton franchise, that want to buy the team out of the blue. One guy I really know, and I went, okay, so we're going to have a coffee next week. So we have a four-team league. Uh, the Real McCoys are still in negotiations with Hockey Canada to host the Allen Cup this April. If anybody hasn't heard, Hockey Canada are a little disjointed in a couple areas, so the Allen Cup has not been their biggest focus in the last number of weeks, but we feel we'll be hosting the Allen Cup in, uh, in Dundas at J.L. Greitmeyer in April. Very will well. the last details. The uh, oh, Coles notebook version.
1: Yeah, no, no. It's uh it's good. So this um this weekend, Dundas plays at home. He plays play Brampton oh. at home on Friday, correct? At seven thirty? Yes. Okay, there you go. So if people want to see the team and Hamilton hosts Wentworth also Friday at seven thirty. So uh
4: senior Wentworth hockey or, Wentworth are two and zero I might point out. Mm. Because they played they hosted the real McCoys and then came to Dundas.
1: It is. Uh, it, it, it's a good league. It's great that you guys are back, and it's uh, it's good that you kept it going, Don. Really uh, well done by you. Um, that is uh, that is the time we have with Don. Really appreciate you doing this as always, Don. Thanks for this. Have a great week.
4: Thanks for your time. Thanks, Scott. Bye bye.
1: Let us uh, give you the quiz question. One last try on the quiz question tonight. There are seven countries in Central America: Belize, Costa Rica, El Salvador. Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and one more, which I told you is also the name of a song of a really excellent Van Halen song, which is a dead giveaway nonetheless. What's the other Central American country? 905 645 3221, star 9900, or text us 905 645 3221 back after this.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: We got to go fast. We are late, as I always am. There are seven countries in Central America, Belize, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and this one, Panama, was the one we were looking for. Matt, anyone know Panama this evening?
2: Yes. uh, Tom, Karen, Jeremy, Mike, Caitlin, Gino, Hugh, Brandy, Bruce, Brenda, Jose, uh, sorry, Jose, Michelle, Monte Cristo,
1: Wayne, Russell, Paul, Tommy, Spike, Bob, Tim, and Joe. So the answer would be yes. Some did no. <laughs> well done, everyone. I don't know how much the Van Halen gave it away, but either way, you got it. Way to go. We'll be back at 6 o'clock tomorrow. We'd love it if you were here with us. We'll talk to you then. Have a great night.
0: And boom goes the dynamite. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.